You're listening to WJMF Radio, the beat of Bryant. What is going on, you guys? Welcome back to Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Brian Costa, and tonight I've got a great episode for you. Kind of getting... uh, you know, into the stretch of things here with finals week. So I'm glad to still be doing episodes. It's getting uh, kind of crazy. So I am uh, really happy that I was able to bring a guest back onto the show that uh, it's been pretty reliable for me in the past. And he is luckily joining me again, all the way from Colby College. Please welcome back to the show, Josh Hool. Josh, thank you for so- coming on this show so late. I know it was a uh, kind of a last minute thing. So thanks again for uh, coming on. Yeah, anytime, man. It's always an honor being on the show. Definitely would love to get into it. Yeah, absolutely. So, Josh, uh, just kind of take me through it, though, so far. Like, how are things kind of going on at Colby right now? I know you were talking about uh, the baseball team having some success up there. Uh, you know, give, give me a rundown. Yeah, so uh season went really well for us. We finished regular season at 22-10. and 10. We started our conference playoffs last week, and we ended up sweeping uh, Hamilton College out from New York. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be entering the uh, NESCAC championships this uh, weekend, actually. It's a double elimination tournament, top four teams, winner takes all. That's awesome, man. Well, congratulations. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I know that you said uh, if you guys actually were to win, um, you would actually you would actually stay at school an additional two weeks for the uh, regional championships, and uh, and like so you'd actually stay up there a little bit longer. Yeah, the school would give us a little more time to move out. They just think it would be a little too hectic for us, like trying to get all that traveling in and moving out of dorms uh, with yeah. people moving all over the country. No, that would be a lot. I mean, if you guys were just kind of displaced, that would have been. Way too much. I mean, I'm I'm glad that they're giving you that privilege, especially after the season that you guys have had. So that's awesome to see. But uh, what are your plans for the summer, man? I know that we uh, linked up and we played some summer ball last year. What are what are the plans right now for you? Yeah, so plans are definitely return home, uh, keep training, uh, playing in the same summer league as going back to the Ronnies. I am going back to the Ronnies. My goodness. That it's a lot of lot of uh, guys are coming back to that team. A lot of new faces coming in, so it's gonna be uh, fun to catch up with those guys that were there last year. Fun to meet some new faces. Just just getting out there and playing in general is what's most important. Yeah, man. The Worcester Ronnies last year that was uh that was a time. That was definitely the miracle run of the 500 regular season team to league runner up. Oh my god, that was it was a time. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. Like, I remember I had to go, I was with you guys for like a little bit, you know, just like kind of getting in whenever I did. And just from the way I saw the team going, I, it was just like, all right, we're going to, even if we make playoffs, we're getting bounced in the first series. That's just how it's going to be. And all, and when that, when we actually ended up making playoffs, I went away on a uh, vacation to Myrtle beach. I was, so I was away from, from everything. And I thought like, Oh, by the time I come back, uh, it's probably just going to be all over. Um, and that's just going to be, be what it is. And I'm just getting these updates every night of like, oh, upset against uh, uh, who'd you guys beat? Like it was Clinton. Um, yeah, Clinton, uh, Littleton, and then yeah. we upset Lunenburg, which was yeah. the big one. Yeah, so those are like the big teams that you guys beat. And I was like, how the hell are they pulling out these wins right now? And uh, credit to you guys. You guys did fantastic in those games. And I see the fact that we ended up facing Shrewsbury in the final, which my brother was on Shrewsbury. So um, we got back for what inevitably um, became like the deciding game in that series. Um, Shrewsbury did end up pulling out the victory, but um, you know, it was a crazy time last year to see the Ronnie's do what they did. I mean, that was a uh, absolutely a wild time. 
yeah, it was de- it was definitely a fun summer. Uh, definitely was some memories made, that's for sure. Yeah. So looking yeah. forward to see what this summer has. Yeah, Coach Nozell, any got got any plans for you yet? Has he uh, been in touch with uh, you? He's he's been in touch uh, a couple of times, just giving me the updates of what to expect once I return, asking me like when he thinks when I think finals will be over. But I did have to explain him like I will let you know as soon as I'm ready to come home. Able to, yeah. <laughs> it might be a bit more flexible with my schedule than last year. Awesome, man. Hey, so when does the season uh, officially start? So our opening game as of right now tentatively is Sunday the 28th in Tingsboro. Okay. That's so awesome. It's going to start off with the longest drive of the year. Never going to have to go back there. Uh, That's yeah. not that way. It's on a long weekend anyways. Oh, yeah. Then, then you're fine. Honestly, just get it out of the way to start the year. And, uh, you know, I, I, you can't complain with that. So uh, with that being said, Josh, I want to get into the show because, uh, you know, right now, man, the Boston Celtics really faltering right now. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this team. So, um, you know, on last week's show, I had on my friend Chris, and we had talked about which way we thought this series was going to go. And, you know, if the Celtics were to drop a game, which one would it be? And in my opinion, I thought that this, I thought that this series would uh, 100% get tied up. I thought that um, the way Boston's been playing all year, they have had a lackadaisical kind of, um, you know, play style whenever they are ahead in a series. You saw it in the Atlanta uh, series, and then you saw it throughout the regular season as well, where they just played down to competition and they didn't want to go for the throat. And you couldn't figure out why, but when it came down to it, that's just the way that they played. Um, you know, but on the um, flip side of that, whenever the competition was at its absolute highest and, you know, they felt the most threatened, they would play like they were the defending Eastern Conference champions. And it was just like a night and day thing. And you couldn't understand it. And then you get into this Philly series, which, you know, I'll give Philly credit. They have, you know, really legitimate players. I think that they uh, match up very well with the Celtics. We've seen it so far in this series. And I knew that they were going to take some games off you. But um, what Chris and I had discussed was, all right, if there's a game out of these next two, which one would Philly take? And I originally said that they would take uh, game five at back in Boston because uh, Boston would maybe go up three, one, and then they would feel uh, comfortable about it. But I also said that it wouldn't surprise me if um, the Celtics were to have lost game four because they were already up ahead in the series. Philly would then come back and tie it. And then, you know, Boston would feel threatened in uh, game five and then go and take it again. But inevitably Philly goes out and they win both of those games. And now the Celtics are facing elimination and heading into game six. So it's an absolutely crazy turn of events to see right now. Um, Josh, I know you kind of been following the Celtics kind of, uh, you know, kind of intermittently throughout the, throughout the playoffs, but just your initial thoughts. Yeah. So based on what you said, it's definitely a big case of playing to the level of competition. I remember back in the regular season, this game, we beat Milwaukee Bucks by 45 around there. Then there'd be nice where we lose to the Orlando magic by 25, 30 at the same time. It's, you don't know if you're getting Jekyll or Hyde when you're, uh, watching the Celtics play yeah. and just watching them in the overtime of game four, just the little mistakes just killed us in the end. And it's like, even though we weren't playing as good as I know that they could be playing, they had a chance to win it, especially in that overtime period. But the little mistakes just came all together in the end. And then that last possessions is what really capitalized it. Yeah. Then game, game five, same thing. It's like, we didn't get to have that chance to come back and it just, we were, punched back and we were put on our heels early and we never recovered from it. Yeah. Game four was really annoying for me personally. Um, just seeing the way it went down. Um, you know, the main thing that you want to point, point a finger at is the fact that Jason Tatum opened the game over eight. 
uh, could not buy a bucket um, early on in that game. And it was just like, all right, you know, the fact that we were only down 10 at halftime at that point was kind of like, it was an accomplishment. It almost felt like you won the game because it was like, all right, Tatum's going to turn this thing on and then he can get going. And inevitably that did happen. He finished the game. Um, looking at the final statute here, he finished nine of um, nine of 20 with 24 points, but you can't have that from your superstar player. This guy is your franchise guy. And the fact that he's still having these hiccup moments in the playoffs, that's okay. When you're, you know, 19, 20 years old, emerging into the league, this is all brand new for you. But in a moment like this, like you have to go and you have to take this game. And he just hasn't ha had that ability in him just yet. Um, but on the flip side of that, guys like Jalen Brown have been able to go out and, you know, while Brown only had 23 points in that game, he was shooting a more consistent like 10 to 16. Um, and it's just something that you've seen from guys like him throughout this series where there's just a consistency issue with him. And I know people gave Tatum flack for um, his shooting and his uh, play during the finals last year. I will say that he most likely had a shoulder injury. That was what was reported. So if that's the case, that probably injured, that probably affected the way he was shooting the ball. and. You know, I'll cut him some slack with that. But right now, there is no injury that we know of with Jason Tatum. It's not like he re-aggravated the shoulder and now it's giving him fits again. From right now, from what we know now, this is purely healthy Jason Tatum, and he's just not coming through in the clutch. And that's the big issue that we've been seeing with Tatum all year. And I said on my show last week that Tatum might fit more into the category of a guy like Carmelo Anthony um, than a... Uh, than say a LeBron James, a Kobe Bryant, or an MJ uh, in terms of what they'll become in the way that they lead themselves. Because those latter three guys, you know, down the stretch, you could really count on them. And I'm not saying that you couldn't count on Carmelo. He had plenty of clutch moments of his own right. But there is, seems to be a disconnect in terms of, you know, Jason Tatum's ability to actually go after and pursue greatness. Carmelo Anthony, if you know, he was a champion at Syracuse, did his own thing there, um, gold medalist in the Olympics. So I'm not saying that he never experienced winning but an nba championship is a completely different animal and you know from what we saw in the nba carmelo was more obsessed with just like you know getting the most points and just being the best superstar player and like the kind of just like the media spectacle that he became rather than going on and winning a championship and i think that's what we're seeing with tatum so far where he just doesn't have that uh kind of like tenacity and fire to really go after a game and take it yeah, and I, I think every hiccup that he makes or every hiccup the Celtics make, the doubters in the back just stand up a little bit more and just say like, oh, Tatum and the Celtics, maybe they're just more of a regular season success kind of team when it comes down to the stretch. I know you said last year it was most likely playing with that soldier injury. And like you said, there's there's doesn't seem to be any excuse this year, so it seems no. to give them more fuel just, to He's not fire. coming through. Exactly. And then, I don't know. It, it opens up a lot of coaching questions when it comes to game six. How are they going to play this? Like, what adjustments do they need to make? Because this is going to be in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, historically, it's going to be a rowdy crowd. It's going to be a rowdy atmosphere. They're going to try and get the Celtics off their game. What adjustments are you going to need to make in order to force that game seven back in Boston? Yeah, that, that's been the big question as of late as to how they're going to force it back to Boston. Um, another question is how are they going to, you know, defend James Harden, um, differently in this series, um, in the, in the previous game where, um, of game four, where Harden went off for 42 points and was just borderline unstoppable. There is a, apparently something that's coming out now, which is gaining some traction. It's the fact that Jalen Brown had to ask Marcus smart for permission for him to be able to guard James Harden in this, uh, in that next game. Um, because right now the team views Marcus smart 
as the pseudo captain of the team, which I understand that Marcus Smart is the most tenured of those veteran star players. He's been around the longest with that organization. I'm not saying he can't have any pull within that building, but your two stars of this team are Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. At the, at the end of the day, that's just what it is. They are more physically and just athletically talented at the game of basketball than Marcus Smart is. Marcus Smart is still an incredible player. Last year's defensive player of the year. I will give him his flowers, give him whatever he wants to have. But he's not your best player. And if I and not all teams need to have that best player. But if Marcus Smart was just like a lead, was like, you know, pumping guys up and could have a more reserved role in the offense, that's one thing. But he still acts like he is the top dog. And that's the issue. Yeah, definitely. And I just think. Because if you're Jalen Brown, you shouldn't need to demand the ball. I'm sorry. No, you're totally fine. And I just think asking for permission to guard James, I just feel like that's just, that doesn't sound normal in that no. kind of situation. I, I could see it going the other way. If, if smart had to ask Brown or ask Tatum, I could totally see that. But the fact that like a guy that you would assume is miles ahead in, in terms of a uh, locker room kind of like tears, um, the fact that he has to go down and ask a guy like Marcus, uh, Hey, can I do this? And you know, we're seeing it being reflected in these, uh, you know, in late in these late game situations, because not only did Marcus Smart have the um, last shot in the regular in the uh, regulation of game four, he also had the last shot of overtime. So, I mean, like the, the questions have to arise. It's like, all right, how much leverage can you really give this guy? And that does come back to Joe Mazzulla at the end of the day, because, I mean, I think give Ime Adoka all the all the, you know, crap, he, all the crap he wants. He would get on, guys. Um, you know, I'm not saying that Emi like personally is like this great guy. Obviously, we know he had like all this stuff in the background. I'm not defending him or any of that stuff, but he would get on guys when he didn't like what they were doing. He would say like, hey, cut it out. Right. And, and I don't think Joe Mazzulli does that. I think he just kind of hovers in the back and lets the team does what lets the team do what they want. And the, the, the guys are fine with that because they like not being told what to do. But you have to put you have to have some authority and come down and, you know, put your foot down. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously when I say this, no, like no disrespect to Marcus Smart at all. Like he was, he's no. been a great player for this whole time. With no, the absolutely. It's just, he needs he to needs know. To yeah, exactly. It's like, you got to know when the younger kids are going to be surpassing your role and you just need to, as cliche it is adopting the Belichick like ideology of just do what you're assigned. Like don't try to play hero ball at this point mm-hmm. because it's starting to affect the team negatively. You're, you're a good spoken leader of that team but you don't have to let the heroics of your game match the heroics of your words in the locker room. Yeah, I agree with that completely. Um, I mean, it's gotten even to the fact that like, it's not even like the Celtics don't like hate this thing. Like it's, they kind of encourage it almost like if you remember, um, you know, there was a sports illustrated um, cover a couple of years back where, uh, you know, it featured Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum and Marcus smart. And apparently um like the two guys, they, they said, we're not going to be on this cover if Smart isn't on the cover with us. And listen, again, Smart is a very pivotal piece of this team. But if you're telling me who is the guy I want taking that game-winning that game winning shot, I don't necessarily want it to be Marcus Smart all the time because at the end of the day, he's a streaky three-point shooter, and you know I don't always trust him late down the stretch. He's oh, consistent, I I, but like he can get streaky. I don't know. It doesn't make a ton of sense, but you know. It, it does remind me of like everyone knows like that TikTok audio. It's like, uh, third, like the Martians pointing the death beam down to Earth. Yeah, like, rather have Curry or Curry, and then he's like, "I want Iguodala." Exactly. That's how I feel in that situation sometimes. Like whenever Marcus Smart has the ball, 
I don't have the faith that it's going to go in as soon as he releases it. I feel a lot more comfortable if Brown or Tatum are taking that shot, no matter how much time is left in the game. Mm-hmm. I just, I know Marcus Smart, it's like when he's hot, he'll get five or six in a row, but then he'll miss the next 10. Yeah. You, you don't know if it's going in or not. So to have that much pressure of a shot, so having the last shot of regulation and overtime, it's Boston fans are just praying it goes in at that point. They don't have the confidence. And right now we're in that hole. And right now we don't know if we have the confidence of pulling out the come from behind victory. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned time management. Um, we'll get to the come behind. We're going to talk about having to come back in this series in just a second. But um, you talked about like, no matter what, how much time is left in the game, um, getting going back to game four, the time management in that game was piss poor. I mean, you want to talk about just a complete mismanagement of the, uh, that final series. Um, you know, when I was watching that game with, uh, you know, all the people that were over my house with me, um, everyone was saying, why aren't they taking a timeout here? You have two timeouts in your back pocket. You can slow the game down, drop the exact play you want to have. And I understand that there is a strategy to saying like, hey, you know, we think we might get them on a defensive. Uh, we might have a matchup uh, advantage if we get them right. But at the end of the day, I don't see that. I think that call the timeout, get the play that you want, design the perfect shot. And instead what we get is, I um, and I couldn't believe when I, believe it when I saw it, but it was Jason Tatum at the top of the key with five seconds left driving. And then he kicks out to Marcus Smart with one second left. And immediately before Marcus Smart could even shoot the ball, I knew it wasn't going to be off in time because like you just don't, the, the human right. body just can't physically react to, the, to that that quickly. So I, I, I immediately just knew like we were screwed. And you know, if you run that play a couple seconds earlier, maybe you have a game-winning shot on your hand. But they just mismanaged it, and you know, inev- and inevitably it led to them being down, um, you know, two-two, and now three-two. I, I just feel like times during the regular season, times during these playoff series, it it feels like the coach is being run by the players more than the coach leading the team. It's always been the case. It's the inmates running the asylum. It's the classic case. Yeah, and Boston, thankfully, it's talented enough that they can whoever's in that coaching position, they can lead them to success, mm-hmm. but. They, they're going to need a guy these last two games against Philadelphia. If they want to move on, they need a guy that can make those plays or design a, a formation that's going to help them beat the Sixers in the gritty time when there's less than a minute left down a couple possessions. Mm-hmm. They're going to need someone who can draw up that play to help give his team a chance. Yeah. And I mean, Josh, we've seen this so many times now with this team. Like you'd think that they would learn by now to, you know, know like, Hey, you know, we can't just go, we can't just go easy on teams. We need to go for the throw and like not play down to competition. But we saw it last year in the Miami in the Miami Heat series, which got extended to seven games. And, you know, credit to Jimmy Butler and what that team can do. But the Celtics are a far superior team to the Miami Heat. And that series should have never gone on seven games. And then even with the Golden State Warriors series, I mean, um, you know, the Warriors are a very, the Warriors are a very highly skilled team. I'm not saying that they are inferior to the Celtics. They are not. They deserve that championship that they won because Steph Curry just went freaking insane. Yeah. So I mean, the credit to them, but there were still moments in that series where you go, you could have closed here, and you could have done a better job of just like you know maintaining a lead, which you didn't, and you let slip and you let slip away. So I don't know. What is it going to take for this team to? you know, get over the hump and just push past this, you know, mess that they're in right now and just go for the throw and win and close out a series. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. A lot of people are concerned about this 3-2 hole, but you got to also remember last year against Milwaukee, we were down 3-2 going back into Milwaukee for game six. We were able to pull out that and tie game seven, win game seven overall. The Celtics historically, when they're pushed down to 3-2, 
they've been they they realize that they're playing down, and I'm hoping this is another one of those cases. But like I said, Philly, Philly's a tough crowd to win a game in. And you got guys like Joel Embiid, uh, James Harden. The biggest hold the Celtics put them in in this series was losing that first game without Joel Embiid. Yep. That, that's that's But that was the biggest win, I think, for the Sixers out of those three. That was the biggest one. The first game of the series on the road in Boston without one of your star players. Boston's got to get physical to win these last two games. They got to they got to like push out, get bruised, out bruised uh, Sixers and just, they got to do everything opposite of what they did in game five, essentially. Yeah. So if they, if you can turn around completely, like all props to you, but you got to do it twice. Like Philly still has that one mulligan. If they say, if they lose game six, they can still win game seven. You got your back in the corner. Like you got to, kick claws like scratch your way out of this and like do whatever it takes to get points on the board you can't allow to fall yourself and let philly get into a 10 10 12 run if you do that the series is going to be over yeah i mean i agree with you i mean this is something that we've been seeing with this team all year long uh you know all seasons long now debating back multiple seasons so uh it's going to take a milwaukee type of effort to get out of this and you know, hopefully they can avoid the mistakes that they made early on in this playoff run where um, they let, you know, Atlanta get a couple of games on them. They took that series to six games, which, um, you know, became a huge problem for us because not only did it, um, you know, we show that we were continuing to play down to competition, but it uh, didn't give us the rest that we needed against the 76ers team. We could have easily either gotten rest or had maybe two potential games against the Sixers without Embiid. And now we just had the one and, you know, essentially they're back at full strength and Embiid could still be hurt and it's probably still battling through something, but you had a chance to have this team when they were down for potentially more games and, you know, you blew that opportunity. So this is a whole, you know, playoff long, long-term issue. And, you know, I'll have to see whether they can, you know, come back from this, but uh, you know, Josh, there's some other big news. There's some other, uh, you know, storylines throughout this NBA playoffs, which have been, you know, really prevalent. Um, and the main one right now outside of the Celtic Sixers series is the fact that this might be the final time we see LeBron James and Steph Curry face off in the playoffs against each other. Now, obviously, uh, when we were growing up, um, you know, when we were like 15, 16, 17 years old, like for four straight years, these guys met up in the finals. And um, the first, I'd say two to three times, it was cool. The fourth time, when the, little, like, uh, when the Warriors just swept them out the building, it was like, okay, we get it. Like, yeah, they're, they're just too good at this point. Um, but when it became like, all right, like these guys are just going toe to toe every single year. It was like, okay. And it wasn't even like the Cavaliers going there. It was just like the Warriors versus LeBron. Right. Like that, that's really what it became. And just to see those two juggernauts face off against each other. Um, it was a really defining moment of the um, mid to late 2010s. Like that was a defining moment of that era um, in basketball. And everyone thought like, oh, we would never see this again. Um, then LeBron James goes to the Lakers, decides to make his second big decision, go there. And um, we saw a, we saw the play in series game where LeBron hit like that um, step back shot and whatnot, but it, that didn't even really feel like a playoff series. This has been a legitimate playoff series between these two teams and, you know, right now it isn't going the way a lot of people thought. As of right now, the Lakers were up 3-1. Now now they're up 3-2 because the Warriors just won um, recently. But um, right now the defending champs are on, are on a hole right now. 
Um, do you think that the Warriors can pull this out and and due to that due to the Lakers what LeBron did to them, um, you know, seven years ago at this point now? I definitely think the Warriors have a lot of fight left in them. Sure. Just you're you're never safe when you're playing against Steph Curry. Just doesn't matter if you're up 3-0, 3-2, 3-1. You're going to get Steph Curry dropping 50 on you. 3-0 is tough. 3-0 is tough. Only the Boston Red Sox have ever done that. So that's, That is fair. Yeah. But I still don't feel safe with a 3-0 lead for the next at least games four and five. You may be able to close it in six against Steph Curry when you're up 3-0. But when you're playing against Steph Curry, it's you you can't triple. You can't triple guard it because – the Warriors have such a deep lineup that any of those guys can hurt you badly in the scoring department. Yeah. Like you saw how they played well against Sacramento. It's whenever they were like punched, they would punch back twice as hard. Mm-hmm. So with the Lakers having this lead, a lot of people never really expected this. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they take this next game because right now they got the knife to the Warriors throats and they need to end it. If it gets extended one more game, they're going to probably run out of gas and you're going to have another, you know, legendary Steph Curry game seven kind of story. Yeah. And that's, and that's what you get from Steph in the playoffs. I mean, um, you know, dropped 50 points a couple games back. Like he's able to just like pull these games out of nowhere. And it's just like, Oh my goodness. And, you know, while we always know that Steph is going to be the star player of that team, you know, Clay Thompson can have his night. Jordan Poole can go off. I mean, any of those guys can have their night on that team. So, um, it's not like Curry is like selfish and won't ever share the ball. If like, you know, he's not shooting well, like, you know, he's also a great passer. Like he can, you know, play the point guard position very well. So, I mean, you know, it's going to be, and it's going to be a very interesting series to, um, see how this thing goes down the stretch. But, um, also interesting enough, just the fact that the Lakers are as far along in the playoffs and doing as well as they're doing. Cause, um, a lot of people had written them off, said like, all right, are they even going to make the playoffs this year? And, um, they got in, they, 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 uh, got through the play in round and, you know, now we're seeing how they're faring now. And, um, you know, credit enough, like they're, they're managing to, uh, you know, stick with the warriors and actually outduel them so far. Yeah. And it would be a huge shakeup in the Western conference. If the warriors get eliminated by the Lakers, Yeah, I don't think anyone expected the Lakers to do this well, like I'm sure maybe make it past the play in maybe a couple to take the round one upset, but if they beat round two, no one would probably have seen that coming. Yeah. But then how many years in a row would that be where you had it either LeBron or Steph Curry in the conference finals at the least? Yeah. Like that, I don't know if there's any breakup year between the four years that they were in the finals and then the COVID bubble. Uh, I think there would be like one, but I can't, I can't really imagine it though. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, LeBron James is doing what he's doing right now. And then same thing with Anthony Davis and that rest of that squad. So, um, you know, the big thing that helped out the Lakers was their trade deadline going out and getting D'Angelo Russell, getting out, getting all the other pieces that they got. Um, you know, that really helped turn their season around because they looked like they were about to just kind of wily coyote themselves off a cliff and fall into obscurity for the rest of the season. But, um, they did well at that deadline and they were able to save their season and maybe, build a championship roster in the process. I mean, dare I say it, but uh, they're competing like it. They're showing more fight than the Celtics are. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if you had to make a pick though, right now, do you think the Warriors complete the comeback or do you think LeBron, um, you know, finishes this thing off? It's it's, this is definitely a hard decision to make. It's you can make a strong case for either scenario in this situation, sure. but 
I think I think LeBron's gonna finish it off. Mm-hmm. As my dad always used to have a saying, is like every time LeBron makes it out of the playoffs, it's always a good day for me. Then <laughs> um, I followed that ideology, but I think this year LeBron's gonna have the upper hand on Curry, and that's the reality of it. When you put yourself in a hole, it, as much as as good as a player that Steph Curry is, like you need everyone on your team to be good for two, three games consecutively that you can pull one or two great games, but when you're in that deep of a hole to get that third game, you're asking a lot out of your team. I just think it's too strong of a hold that the uh, Lakers have, but there have been teams that climbed out of the three, one hole, albeit in different sports, just a different I, sports scenario. The Bruins I mean, had the three, one lead on the Panthers and they lost that. So, I mean, this isn't the first time the, the Warriors have faced a three, one lead with this, with these franchise guys, they, they went down three, one against the OKC thunder in the uh, Western conference finals. And they were able yeah. to come back. Uh, during their 73 and nine years. So uh, it's more than possible for them to come back. They have um, the talent and those veterans that have been in this situation before. So it's nothing they haven't faced, um, right. but it, but it's a challenge nonetheless. So they're going to be in a tough position, but I'll say this right now, the warrior style, like, I mean, can they play physical at times? Sure. Like they'd have that ability with them with guys like Draymond green and whatnot down low, but their main thing is, you know, being able to run around, get space, get open shots, and the later you get into a series like that, you start to tire out more. And mm-hmm. if you had to ask me what play style is going to last longer, it's going to be the Lakers because they're going to be just more physical. And I think that they can still out physical the Warriors and they can just like, you know, maintain that throughout these at whether it's this next game or the, like the game seven. So I think that they will have more stamina down the stretch, even with LeBron at his age. I think that they can out physical them. And I think that they have the ability to close out the series. but. If the Warriors do manage to get that separation and get that space, then I think it's 100% possible they could come back and win this series. So that's my consensus. If the Lakers can play to their game, you know, give it to them. Um, But it's really going to just be a matter of if the Warriors can, you know, still play their game or if if they're going to be forced into playing L.A.'s game. Right. It's it'll be fun to watch. That's for sure. That's might be something I have to tune into the next couple of days and see how that storyline plays out. Absolutely. So that's what we got in NBA news for you guys. Um, I want to tune into some MLB news. Um, you know, want to talk with Josh about some baseball. Um, Josh, right now, the Red Sox have been, you know, really interesting so far this season. You know, we talked about it on my last show where they were on an absolute hot streak. And now when we look at this team, I mean, we got guys like Masataki Yoshida, you know, tearing it up right now. and you know, some other guys not doing as hot. I mean, you have Tristan Casas, who has been not mm-hmm. not doing so well at the big league level. He hasn't panned out the way a lot of people thought he would, but I'll let you actually lead away with that segment. Yeah, so definitely. Um, a lot of people with the Red Sox coming into the season didn't really have much expectations. Like a team with I a, had none. Yeah, a few, a few fun players, a few, like a few teams, they would consider like one of the scrappier teams to get. They would finish a little under 500, maybe around that 500 mark. Yeah. And the Red Sox seemed to be proving them right throughout the first half of April. I think they were, I don't know, five and 11 at one point. And then halfway, two thirds of the way through April, the Red Sox decided to wake up. They won eight, nine in a row. And all of a sudden they have lost the last two games, but to very quality opponents, the Atlanta Braves and the Phillies, which are two very, the Phillies being the runner up to the entire league last year and i don't know watching this team play it's 
it's definitely been fun. Some of the guys have been red hot. Like Masaka Yoshida, a lot of people were concerned that his power wouldn't translate to the major league baseball level, but he showed some promise in the world baseball classic when he played for Japan, but the haters were right for the first half of April. He was batting like 148. He was just, abysmal. He, 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 couldn't, was, he, he, he couldn't hit, he couldn't hit out of a wet paper bag. Like he was awful. No, and, he couldn't. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, so my bad. Um, but they always say baseball is a game of inches. Like the one adjustment he made is that he opened his stance by two inches and all of a sudden he went on a 15, 16 game hitting streak, hitting about 500 in that, uh, in that tear. And right now he's like top 10 in the American league in batting average. He's batting around 310. I want to say right now, he was hitting 324 like the other week. Like it was absurd how well he was doing. Yeah. Like, like, it wasn't just singles up the middle too. Like he was hitting the ball for power. He had like five, six home runs during that span, two or three doubles. He was a threat at the plate. You know, and that's he, fun to watch. You know, he got exceptionally hot. So like, I will say you definitely need to watch out for him as he uh, heads into like the summer months and the ball is going to only fly more off the bat. Uh, one thing I had mentioned on my Friday show, which I had noticed with him, um, you know, you talked about opening up his stance a couple inches. He also dropped his hands. Um, cause to start the year, he, his hands were very high in his stance and, um, you know, he just wasn't catching up to the ball as quick. So he brought his hands down, um, therefore getting the ball to the bat, um, the bat to the ball quicker. And we're seeing it translate right now on the field. So he's doing really well because of it. Yeah. And it's been really fun to watch a couple of the other guys I want to mention too, that have had really good starts. Uh, Jaron Durand's been hitting the crap out of the ball recently. And- yeah. Granted, he's cooled off the last couple of games, but his start to his 2023 season was exceptionally well. And- yeah, he, yeah, he's been doing very well so far. And I know uh, at, after one series, he actually talked about that there was kind of a uh, culture shift in the clubhouse and that, you know, he was really, you know, he said he could go up to guys and ask them for advice and he wasn't afraid to do so. And, it, you know, that can point to maybe more inviting friends in the clubhouse, inviting teammates in the clubhouse this year versus maybe less inviting individuals last year. I don't know who those people would be, but, you know, maybe Justin Turner's a guy that he's like really connecting with. But yeah, the interesting question I have for you is what the Red Sox outfield, Yoshida, Duran, it's a bunch of good guys. I'm Duvall's quietly making his way back from the IL after fracturing his wrist, I believe. Mm-hmm. And before he got injured, Adam Duvall was tearing it up for the Red Sox. He was the hottest hitter in baseball. Yeah. He was the unexpected hero for that Red Sox team. Like it seemed like he would be the team that kept the Red Sox interesting in a lot of people's minds. But then I think he actually, he hit five home runs in what his first eight games or something like that. It was absurd. What do you do once he comes back with the Red Sox outfield, how it's scripted now? I mean, so what? You got Verdugo, you got Yoshida, and then what? Duran. Duran. And then what are you doing at DH right now? Yeah, it's it fills in between Turner and Casas. They've been switching off at first. Okay. I mean, and then there's also Rob Ref Snyder to deal with, who's been hitting it pretty well as well. Yeah. So I guess what I would say right now is that upon Duvall's return, the main the main place you need him is with his bat, and right. if Tristan Casas is continuing not to hit then I think the easy thing to do is plug Justin Turner at first because he's been relatively consistent all year. Put Duvall at the plate, get him his reps there because that's, again, where he's going to be most useful. And you don't want him diving out, making some crazy play to start, um, you know, his comeback and then re-injure that wrist. Just get him at the plate, 
get him hitting and do things there, keep it simple. And then if Casas turns it around, if things start to go a certain way, maybe you start to platoon, um, you know, Duran and then have Casas go, um, have, um, have Duvall go between the plate and playing out in the outfield. But I would just say, put Duvall at that DH spot, like right, um, right when he gets back and just let him rake. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really fair assessment. Um, you actually mentioned behind a plate. I just want to give a shout out. Connor Wong and Reese McGuire have been great for the Red Sox offensively. Defensively, it's been a little bit viable. Kind of shaky. Yeah. Connor, I believe this was last week against Toronto, had a four for four game with two home runs. Like the hitting for the catches of the Red Sox seems to have been, be a lot better this year for some reason than past years historically. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I think the Red Sox, once they get out of this tough series with the Braves, they should be able to find their footing again and then make another hot streak for it. It'll be interesting to see how they play down the stretch of these summer months, as you said. Yeah, I'm excited to see it as well. Now, as we get into the summer months, who is a guy that you think um, you're going to really look to to turn it on, like for this team, like at, like getting into the stretch of it, like that maybe hasn't gotten hot so far. Who do you think has the ability to really excel as we head into uh, June and July? I definitely got to give it to Raphael Devers. I'm not saying he's hitting bad right now. He's hitting below the standards of his liking. Yeah, he's hitting still about. 260-270, which is still good by MLB standards. It's yeah. just below 300-ish. But it's not hitting to what we know Rafi Devers can do. So mm-hmm. I, I'm hoping he can find his stride in the next couple of weeks and help propel this uh, Red Sox team. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as of right now, the Red Sox, you know, it from in terms of divisional from a divisional standpoint, they're they're fourth in the AL East. And um, you know, you would you would think that they would just already be out of it by this point, but Every single team in the AL East, I believe, is better than every single team in the AL Central. Yes. It's it's ridiculous how competitive this division is at this point. I don't know what like what Major League Baseball can do. I know that there always have been talks about like saying, like, hey, do we want to go back to a traditional like just seating list and say screw divisions? Like I know that certain I know that like the NBA does that. They just have a seating list. Is there any way that like they can man like like do you think the Red Sox can actually like compete this year if they have to go through the wild card portion i again baseball it's it's hard to tell so early in the season we're only a month and a half in of a 162 game season where we've only played about 38 39 of those games it's you want to say they can you see how they played against toronto they swept toronto in that four game series and toronto was viewed as a team that was going to be very good coming into the season and they still are a very good team yeah you look at who they're facing against a raised team that's yet to lose 10 games that are, I don't know, about 25 and six, something like that. You got the upstart Baltimore Orioles who have had a crazy start to their season. And even though the Yankees are under the Red Sox in the standings, they're still the New York Yankees. And you're playing these teams the most out of any other opponent throughout the year. And then you look at other AL teams that are just succeeding, succeeding, excuse me. You got the Texans leading the AL West. The Angels are seeming to get the Rangers, the Texans, Texas Rangers. Uh, My apologies on that. I've been, you're good, man. It's been a long week for all of us. Yes. I'm I'm still recovering from uh, my draft party from a few weeks ago, but. Oh, I meant, I meant finals. I didn't mean like, I didn't mean like that kind of fun, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I meant like it was a hard couple weeks. (laughs) 
Oh yeah, no, it, it definitely has been. But, but hey, but uh, hey, I'm I'm happy about happy to hear about your, happy to hear about, happy to hear about your draft party. Yeah, no. Where was the friend, invite, man? <laughs> my, my friend was a diehard. Uh, he's not even like a team fan. He's a huge like NFL fan. Like he follows PFF grades religiously. So like watching him through of the first round was just the entertainment I needed to help ease my mind off of finals. So, but yeah, definitely Texas Rangers is a team that the Red Sox should be worrying about as well. It just the AL is so much more competitive in my division, in my opinion, than the NL this year. Yeah, that's always been a thing for me. I've always thought the AL was more competitive. And the reason I thought I thought that was the case was the DH. And the NL's had the DH for a couple of years now, and we're seeing them utilize it with guys like Kyle Schwarber on the Phillies. But it hasn't really caught up yet. I think that the offense still really is still in the American League, and the National League is just, it's always been known as like the pitcher's league. And it hasn't evened out the way we thought it would just yet. It's going to take, I think, a couple more years for you know, free agents um, to say like, Hey, I'll just be a DH for like one of these other teams. Now um, you saw that with JD Martinez, he went to the Dodgers and is now their, de- their designated hitter. So um, it's going to take a little bit w- longer for that to kind of all work out, but yeah, it's, it's been a crazy time, man. Yeah, definitely. It'll be fun to watch these next couple of months and see how this plays out. Yeah. So Josh, as we kind of get, um, you know, cl- close to the end of the show here. Um, yeah. Just like, you know, as of right now, like, what do you got going on? I know we mentioned baseball, but um, in terms of wrapping up things, like when are you, uh, when are you almost done? So I just took my first final today. Oh, so geez. We, we just started our finals week. I don't have too crazy of a schedule. I just have two finals and a paper to write and my finals, not until Sunday. So I have some time to study for that. Other than studying for finals, I'm slowly just, you know, packing up, ready to go home, just, Whenever I have that 30 minutes of free time between studying or practice, I'm just slowly putting stuff in the boxes, loading up my car, ready to go. But yeah, those last couple of weeks, it's crazy to think that I'm going to be a senior next year. Yeah, so dude, it's, it's, it, it, goes, it goes fast. That's all. So it goes very fast. So just be ready for it. I know that for myself, when uh, I mean, you mentioned packing up. I dude, I don't want to do it just yet. Not because I not because I don't want to like leave and be that guy. It's just that I know I'm going to be here for, well, geez, getting down to 10 days until I graduate, but I know I'm going to be here for at least over another week. And when I take all the stuff off my wall, it just looks like a prison cell. Mm-hmm. And I, I just don't want to do that just yet. Cause I know it's going to be so depressing on my walls. I, I know I'm exactly. sleeping there. So I'm like, I'm like, I need some like personality in my room. Otherwise it's just going to be so sad. Yeah. The posters are definitely the last thing coming down for me. Yeah. It just, it feels too bare to sleep with it. Like it's waking so up, it just, weird. yeah, it's not the right feeling. No, it's so weird. But yeah, man, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of like in the, in the last stretch of it right now. I don't have a final until Friday, which is crazy. Um, all of this finals week, I've just been kind of chilling. I went back uh, home, dropped some stuff off there, did, you know, just like little things like that. But yeah, it's been, it's been pretty crazy so far. I know that um, today I just like chilled out. Um, went to work. Then today we actually had a uh, Ken Jennings from Jeopardy. He came and spoke at the school. So we got to go to that speaker event. That was kind of cool. So, um, you know, I've come from a big Jeopardy family, so that was kind of cool, but, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a ride here at Bryant this year. I don't know how many episodes down the wire, um, you know, I'm going to be able to do next year if I, you know, come back here for grad school and I'm doing that whole thing. So I'm really excited for, you know, what's to come, but it's definitely been a ride. So Josh, 
we are officially down to the wire right now. I want to just say thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a blast having you. Hey, it's always a pleasure being on the show, man. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely. So today we talked with Josh about the uh, recent struggles of the Boston Celtics. LeBron possibly facing Stephen Curry for the final time in a playoff series, as well as the Boston Red Sox and their ups and their downs. And just, you know, talking about life. So I'm really excited for what's to come next. Um, if you aren't following down the wire just yet, make sure you go follow us on streaming, YouTube, all that good stuff. And then if you want to listen live where we usually stream on Wednesdays and Fridays from seven to eight in the Koffler Center on WJMF 88.7 HD2. Um, but yeah, from down the wire, I'm Brian Costa. I'm Josh Wool. And we hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Take care. Peace out. WJMF Radio.